First Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. I spent most of my adult life far from God, actively running away from him. If you count abortion as murder, then I've broken all ten of the commandments. I don't know how to give you more details about my past hedonism without it sounding like bragging. So trust me when I tell you, I was lost and completely bought into the world's lies, living in the darkness. I mocked everything Christians stood for, and I did it with great delight. Proverbs 18, 1 and 2. An unfriendly person <clears throat> pursues selfish ends and against all sound judgment starts quarrels. Fools find no pleasure in understanding but delight in airing their own opinions. And I grew up in a volatile household. My father physically abused my mother. And when I was 15, my mom took myself and my two brothers and we went to live in a women's shelter where we... Um, lived there three weeks, hiding from my dad. My mother believed in the Lord and always spoke of him, but I didn't understand how God could do this to us. My mother then remarried a man who also had three children, and together they had one more, and all nine of us lived together in one tiny house. Because of the divorce and remarriage, I started over again at a new high school, and in hindsight, God was looking after me. And a sweet girl I had met introduced me to others she had knew and befriended me. And they all invited me to go to church and with them, and I loved it. And then at church camp, the summer before my senior year, I gave myself over to the Lord and was baptized. I had head knowledge of what that meant. I thought if I was good and I helped people, then I was fine. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by work so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do God's work, for which God prepared in advance for us to do. But after high school, I stopped running with these friends that I had made at church. And then I went completely wild. I began drinking and experimenting with drugs. And because of my promiscuity and other poor choices, Please don't change pages for me. <laughs> Control freak. <laughs> okay. Um, and because of my other poor choices, I became pregnant. I was scared and out of fear and selfishness. I became, um, I made a very conscious decision to abort that child. I pursued a career as a technology geek. I bought the latest gadgets, pursued anything that interested me, and followed my own selfish nature. Even got married and then divorced within a year. Chased women and let sex dictate my life. All the while, something was missing. I would move from one philosophy or ism to another, trying to find what was missing. I read books on psychology, comparative religion, and philosophy for fun. At, at first, being excited, thinking I had found the real answer at last, only to discover that when I chased these ideas to their logical conclusion, they were just another dead-end lame excuse for the truth. Slowly, I began to live a life closer to the straight and narrow, but never consciously trying to please or know God, just dropping the most des destructive habits and behaviors that I had survived long enough to realize didn't work. I met Bobby in 1995, and we were pretty much inseparable. After only a few months of dating, we moved in together. I didn't see anything wrong with it at the time. All of my friends were living with their boyfriends. 
Bobby and I got married in the fall of 2001, and after a couple of years of marriage, we started trying to have a child. One afternoon, Bobby had to rush me to the hospital because I was having severe abdominal cramps. I didn't know I was pregnant at the time until we got to the emergency room where I learned I was having a miscarriage. We were devastated. It was our first pregnancy, and we had lost the baby. Several months later, I found out I was pregnant again, and we were excited about this child. But during a doctor's visit, it turned out that I had an ectopic pregnancy with an internal bleeding. It was life-threatening. I was immediately rushed into emergency surgery. I remember after the surgery, looking at a friend who was visiting me and asking them if this was God's way of punishing me for having the abortion. About a year after this, I got pregnant again. Fear dominated most of that pregnancy, but our little blessing was born happy and healthy. After the birth of our son, Bobby and I slowly drifted apart, feeling like I had to control everything, make all of the decisions, feeling very alone and disconnected. I remember sitting on the couch after Austin had gone to bed one evening, looking at Bobby and telling him about how lonely I felt, even though we were sitting in the same room. I met my wife, Shari, and I I was finally ready to get married again after much patience on Shari's part. I was madly in love with her, and with the birth of my son after several misadventures, I began to wonder if I was capable of being uh, a good father, not to mention being a good husband or even a good man. The miscarriages and the ectopic pregnancy put a deep fear into me and made me realize how little control I really had. I had almost lost Shari, and the prospect made me fearful, overprotective, and timid. Everything I learned from the various self-help and personal growth efforts over the years had taken me about as far as they could. My marriage was dying, and I couldn't figure out how to stop it. Divorce was the most likely outcome, and I was in despair. Paralyzed with fear, a classic case of failure to lead and passivity, my addiction to pornography was taking its toll as well. I was letting the computer fantasy world steal time, energy, and affections from my wife. This only added to the downward spiral. At this time in our marriage, you could say that Bobby and I were more like roommates. The distance that had grown between us was pretty deep. I would spend most of my evenings in the bedroom watching TV while he spent the evening in the living room doing the same or on his computer. I was sad, depressed, and lonely. I started contemplating divorce and what that might look like. I started picturing my son and myself living without Bobby. The world made it sound so easy and okay that the grass was greener and that I could be happier if I just ended the marriage and moved on. Satan was working in my heart. He would have enjoyed seeing my son grow up without his father around. My first visit to Watermark was in January of 2008. I had come with a friend who had invited me several times. I saw that. (laughs) I stopped myself. I did. (laughs) Um, She had a son the same age as ours, so it made it easier to come, and I was thinking it would be good for my son. The message that day was about marriage and specifically about being undivorced. And I remember um, the pastor saying that if you were still married but not following the Lord's definition of marriage, then you were living undivorced. It felt like that he was just talking to me, that somehow he knew I was showing up that morning and created this sermon just for me when in reality it was Jesus who knew that I'd be walking in those doors on that very day. And through the Holy Spirit, he spoke to me 
And I remember going home that day and telling Bobby about the sermon, and I told him I was going to go again the next week and that he could come with me if he wanted to. He didn't come again that second week, but the sermon was a series about marriage. And I remember praying that Bobby would come with me the next week, and then he did. I wasn't excited about going to church, but I went looking for a little solace and maybe a few new social contacts. I didn't have any men that I could talk to regularly about anything except technology. To be honest, I wasn't sure the church building wouldn't cave in when I walked in. The pastor was in the middle of the first re-engaged series, and it seemed like he was just talking to me. I came for six straight weeks, and they were all about me. <laughs> and after 14 years, uh, a couple have not been about me. What I found were people who had a love and authenticity and energy that I had never seen in church before. They spoke of God's unfailing, unchangeable love for us all, even for me. A love so deep, he would give his only son to pay the price for my wickedness. I heard that I was forgiven and saved by grace. It took, it took me a while to come around to the conclusion that this might be what I had been looking for. Not knowing anything better to do, I just prayed my first feeble little prayer. God, I, I don't know what this is supposed to look like, but if you're there, please come into my heart and let me find out. Romans 8.26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. At first, I didn't tell people that I went to church here, not because of what they might think of me, but what they might think of the church. If they let that guy in, they'll let anybody in. That's actually the truth. But I felt like I needed to protect my new friends from my past. But they didn't need it. They had a protector and a redeemer already. I began reading the Bible and found things that I never heard before. I began to cultivate a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I spoke with committed Christian followers who spoke with an authenticity I never knew from Christians before. My idea of what being a real Christian, a Christ follower, was changed forever. No one was afraid of even my toughest questions. I began to pray regularly and found a peace I did not know before. Uh, I began to see improvements in my marriage and my other relationships. I still go off in the weeds sometimes, but I know the way back. I still struggle with the lies of this world at times, but I have a hope that I didn't have before. What I was missing was there all along. I just never saw God's love and grace for what it was, unchangeable, unbreakable, unfathomable. Somewhere along the way, my interest in pornography also diminished. I finally threw away my last stash of DVDs one day after reading scripture, James 1, 19 through 21. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. After I jumped in with both feet, my wife began to come around a little at a time. We joined a community group. I started going to Equip Disciple because I didn't even know what I didn't know. What's quiet time and do I need earplugs? <laughs> we decided to give this new marriage class called Reengage a shot. Two other couples from our community group did reengage with us. And that made it more fun. 
And I remember Bobby wanting to sign up for that first re-engage class that Watermark offered, and I just wasn't ready at all. My heart was very hard, and I felt at times that it would never soften towards him. I'm obviously glad we ended up doing it. Focusing on our marriage and focusing on Christ is truly the only way out of the deep funk that our marriage had gotten into. I'm so very thankful today for what the Lord has blessed me and our sweet family with. We have some dear, sweet friends who pour into us, love us, and guide us. I no longer feel like I'm being punished for my abortion, but I'm loved and forgiven, and I'm the daughter of a king. I have peace and joy in the blessings that God has given us. I think about how our sweet little family has grown and how awesome our two boys are, and I rejoice in this relationship my husband and I now have with Jesus Christ. Bobby's my very best friend. There's no place that I'd rather be. He's my rock, and I'm thrilled to follow his lead. Our oldest is a senior in high school this year, and he'll be heading off to college soon. And our youngest just started junior high. There's, <laughs> that's our sweet family. <laughs> so we went through re-engage more than 12 years ago, and we still have conflicts and even argue sometimes. But the difference is we are committed to Christ first and then to each other. Living a life with Christ at the center does not guarantee guarantee a trouble-free life, but I can say there have been fewer scars and more joy. Shari and I now serve as uh, small group facilitators and re-engage, not because we have a perfect marriage, because we don't, but because we know the pain a dysfunctional marriage can bring and feel drawn to do something about it. The fear and sadness can be crippling. If that's where you are now and wondering if this is for you, yes, it is. There is no better place that I'm aware of and there is no better time than right now to get started. And if you have something scary you need to share with your spouse or small group, do it tonight. Mm -hmm. Dig deep and get after it. God is bigger than anything you might be facing. Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Thank you for letting us share our story. Thank you.